Well, hello again. This is Jay Warner Wallace sitting in for Greg Kolkel here at Stand to Reason. As usual, I uh, get a chance to come in once in a while and uh, sit in for uh, for Greg and give you something worth thinking about, I hope, as we make a case for clear thinking Christianity. And this week, we've got a great uh, opportunity to talk about something that I think sometimes as apologists uh, or as people who are interested in making the case for the Christian worldview – um, I feel a burden more often that we sometimes stop short of the thing that's the most important is how do we get to the point where we stop just defending what we know is true, but also make a, make you know a proclamation of what is true in terms of the gospel. How do we help to share the the saving? Look, we could talk a lot about why Christianity is true and defend and answer every objection, but at some point, I think people are hungry to hear them. What 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 results from all that? What what why are we even taking the time to do it? Well, we're taking the time to do it because we want to be able to share the gospel. We want to be able to share. It's called evangelism, right? And there's a, a sense in which we sometimes try to separate those two endeavors, those two enterprises, defending the case and actually proclaiming the gospel. And so I, as I get a little bit older, I think this has now become something more important for me. So this hour, we've got a special guest, Mark Middlebrook over here to talk about the best book on Christian evangelism ever written, Contagious Faith. I think you're going to want to stick around and hear that. But before we get to that, I have a couple of announcements I want to make uh, because that's, uh, I think this is important. Uh, for example, uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming up uh, next week. For example, we will not have a live show, a live broadcast, but Tim Barnett and Alan Schleeman here from Stand to Reason, uh, they've got a great conversation on abortion. This is an important time. Time to be talking about this because we got the verdict coming or the judgment coming down from the Supreme Court about Roe Wade. So I think we want to be able to talk about this logically and, and, and compassionately with our friends who maybe don't agree with us on this issue. And that conversation between Tim and Alan is going to serve you well. So don't be sure not to miss that. And the following week, uh, Tim is interviewing our good friend Mike Winger, uh, uh, probably one of the up and coming most popular YouTubers right now, talking about Christianity on YouTube. And we'll be talking. They'll be talking about progressive Christianity. That'll be released during the week. So just be checking back at str.org to get all those details as they become available to you. And uh, that's basically what I want to cover right now. Before I inter- my, introduce my, my guest today, uh, really, I feel like I don't need to introduce him. You probably know him, Mark Middleberg. But in case you don't, uh, Mark is the guy who, um, for me, uh, encouraged me when I first began as a casemaker, a Christian casemaker. As a matter of fact, he kind of kicked me in the rear uh, as somebody we were at a conference and he, he made a point about my my website at the time, he didn't like it, <laughs> and he told me what was wrong with it, and that kind of launched me into a whole new direction. And so, I want to bring on with me here now, uh, Mark Middleberg. Thank you so much for joining me, brother. I was thinking, you know, as they were advertising this, they were promoting this on social media. They had an image of the two of us that I'll be interviewing you today, and yes. I looked at that, and the first thing I thought was, "Man, we're like two old guys with white hair." <laughs> That's the first you know, thing I thought. Gray is, gray is cool, man. To who? Tell me who it's cool uh, to. To you and to me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. To the two of us. So, yeah, I remember I told you later, if I would have known you were going to be such a big deal, I would have been a lot nicer to you when I first met I you. I think you were trying to keep would, me from being any kind I, of a deal is what it was, comes down to. No, I think I'd had too much coffee that day or something, but I was definitely caffeinated and just like, hey, here's what I think. Well, so, yeah, I know. Well, so let me just give you the the the, the, the thumbnail introduction. So that people can, I know you're, by the way, I'm going to ask you to tell your own story, but this is 
how you are known to the world around you. Best-selling author and the executive director of the Lee Strobel Center for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics at Colorado Christian University. I want to talk about that because my son just graduated from there. Uh, a bunch of books that you have written over the years, like The Unexpected Adventure, uh, Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask. I love that book. Uh, by the way, that's with answers and uh, yes. and confident um, and confident faith. Now, um, you were, this is a book, an idea, a notion. In this book, we're going to talk about today, that I thought was for me uh, was really kind of mind changing. Uh, my mindset about and and it, and I love the story you talk about in the book about your trip to London. But before we get there, why did you decide to write this book? I think a little of what you've already hinted at, Jim, and that is that I think most of us as Christians know we're called to share our faith. We are all members of the church to which Jesus gave the Great Commission. He told us to go into our world to make disciples. He told us where to be his witnesses. And we all say, yep, that's a great idea for Greg Kokel. Uh, that's a great idea for you know, Jay Warner, Warner Wallace or Lee Strobel or Greg Laurie, especially. Yeah, right. He's, he's the guy, right? And most of us just say, I don't have the training. I don't have the equipment. I don't have the spiritual gifts. Uh, I think I'll just be an ordinary Christian and leave that to the pros, leave it to people who are good at it. I don't want to mess with someone's eternity. And I'm guessing I'm describing 99.5% of our listeners right now. And by the way, that was my story as well. Yeah. And you mentioned in the book uh, a trip. But I want to ask you, you don't tell it in the book. You, you decided to go on a trip with your bride. Heidi to England, and some it looks like it sounds like a church invited you to come, and it doesn't sound like you really knew exactly what kind of ministry you would be doing until you got there. Yeah, in fact, it was part of a program at the seminary where I was attending, and I had just started that year, and we didn't even know where in the world we would be sent. We would just go somewhere, we would serve, and you know, help build the church and whatever that meant. And it was pretty cool. We ended up getting assigned to London, England. I thought this is going to be awesome. Maybe I'll pick up a British accent yeah, right. while I'm there. Didn't work. <laughs> Still have that northern accent that I have. Um, but, uh, we got over there and we meet the people at a church that we're going to serve with and great people, great church. But I meet the guy who's like our team captain. I, I ask him, like, we're so glad we're here. You know, what are we going to do? And he said, I'm so glad you asked the guy is super, you know, super enthusiastic and almost over the top. Like, this is going to be great. And I said, well, great. What are we going to do? He said, we're going to go out tomorrow morning and we're going to knock on doors and talk to people all around the neighborhoods, all around the church. And we're going to tell them about Jesus. It's going to be wonderful. And I don't know about you. To me, I'm like, I've, buzzers going off like this does not sound wonderful to me uh, and then i asked him a follow-up question i said are we going to do this all day he said we're going to do it all summer and it's like oh man what did i sign up for because uh, it just sounded rough okay and but I, you I had kind of but you weren't alone you had heidi with well, how did she take it Oh, she's, she's, that's kind of part of the story. She's very extroverted. I'm mildly extroverted, but Heidi's a people person. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. This is going to be great. But 
part of the story is Heidi's the kind of person that makes new best friends on elevator rides, you know? Yeah. yeah. So she just meets strangers. And uh, sometimes we fly somewhere and we're in different parts of the airplane. Somehow we get split up. And by the time we get there, she's best friends with someone. And um, in fact, this literally happened once when we went to Orlando. By the time we got there, she was friends with an exec from uh, NASA. And we, all of a sudden we have a free, you know, like, tour behind the scenes from this top leader who Heidi became buddies with on a flight. Uh, so that's Heidi. And so she was all happy about it. I'm like wrestling with it. Cause I like, I, I love God. I love people. I want them to meet him, but I got to knock on doors of strangers. Yeah. And it got worse and, on that trip, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, I thought I finally talked myself into it. This isn't going to be that bad. And by the end of the first day, I had to tell you, it was really that bad. Uh, I remember one woman uh, opened her door about three inches and she said, what do you want? And I said, well, we don't want anything. We're just from the church over here on the corner. And we're just going around the neighborhood and talking to people about spiritual matters. And yeah, I'm trying to be real lighthearted. She cuts me off and with an accusatory tone says, you've got an American accent. And I, I again, try to keep it light. I go, well, what a coincidence. You know, we are, we're from Chicago and we're, we're, uh, you know, she said, well, why don't you go back and pester people in your own country? <laughs> and I thought, wow, welcome to England. You know, where's, where's the invitation in for tea and, yeah, yeah. and um, <laughs> but then I started figuring something out partway through the summer. I thought, why am I the one knocking on the doors? Um, I'm the one that hates this the most <laughs> in our little group. Let Heidi knock on the doors. She's the one that likes meeting strangers. And sure enough, we kind of switched it up. She would knock on the door. I would hide behind Heidi. And you know, she's only five feet tall. That's not easy so to that do. That was a, yeah. a challenge, yeah. But then all of a sudden, she'd knock on the door. People would go, oh, hi, would you like tea and crumpets? You know, it's like, sure. And all I of a sudden, know, my husband house. here, too. So she's like, oh, dang, he's got to come, too. Okay, yeah, go she, ahead. Exactly. Yeah. They'd let her in. I'd kind of sneak in behind her. But all of a sudden, we're in the house, enjoying company, talking. And then they would ask a hard question. And they have some really hard <laughs> questions over there. And uh, then Heidi would just kind of, you know, look at me and say, well, it's your turn, buddy. And, you know, that was a clue, and that's kind of how I got through that summer, yeah. that reaching people, you don't have to do it alone. It's best done as a kind of a team activity, and we can kind of divide the labor according to what we're good at or what we're, uh, we're made to do. And those were the opening clues to what became this book and training called Contagious Faith. Yeah, I think what's so great about the book is that um, if you are some – as you read this book, and you're thinking about your own life struggling with, you know, sharing the gospel. I, I think I've been working a lot with evangelists in the last couple of years. And I realized that, you know, most of the time when someone asks me to come and speak, it's to defend something or to answer some objection or to, to make some case for this or that. And we almost always will stop short of even on a Sunday morning. Maybe sometimes the the, the pastor will come out and want to share the gospel, which is great. But but I realized that if I'm doing all of this and, and, and removing some of the barriers that people have, I, I got to take that additional step. Now, what's great about it is if you're listening to this conversation and you're thinking, yeah, I, I probably haven't shared the gospel but a handful of times in my entire life as a Christian or in the last year or whatever it may be, you're in this book. You may not realize it, but you are in this book. And that's the beauty of the book uh, is it, it captures 
uh, the unique differences. Now, let's talk about that a little bit. That's that's one of the differences with this book and any other book on evangelism. I think is that it captures the differences between people. And you, how did you? I always want like, how did you um, narrow it? You've narrowed it down to like five or six. Uh, yeah. different types of people. And so that's why I say, if you read the book, you'll find yourself in one of those types based on your gift, yeah. based on what God has gifted you to do, your personality type. It's not, yeah. it's not, a, and it's not a personality kind of like survey. You'll just see reading through the table of contents, these five types, you're going to go, Oh yeah, I know which one I am. So how did we you actually, narrow it down to those five? Yeah. And I'll just quickly throw in, we do have one of those surveys right. in our training course and we have a short version online yeah. that folks can do. But back to my story, I came back from that trip after eight weeks, count them eight weeks. And even though I started figuring out the division of labor thing and all that, I was still pretty down on the whole thing. I, I remember on the airplane just thinking, I, you know, I'm done with evangelism. I've done my time. Uh, next time someone wants to rally the troops and go, you know, reach some group or something, I'll pray for them. Yeah, you know? let them do it. I'll you know, write a check for a hundred bucks or whatever. But uh, this is not my deal. Mm -hmm. um, but I came back home. We we're part of a strong church there in Chicago. And I heard a sermon from the pastor where he held up the Bible. If I had one here, I'd hold one up. But uh, he holds up a Bible and he says, uh, I want to talk to you about how we can all share our faith mm -hmm. and do it in ways that fit us. And here's the good news. There's diversity in the body of Christ and we can take different approaches, and you do not have to force yourself to be like me, the pastor, or someone you think right. of when you think of evangelism. You can be who God made you to be. Well, I'm all ears now. And he went through, and it was kind of an early version of that. I then have spent decades refining and, and honing that and teaching. By God's grace, we've actually, in earlier renditions of this training, trained over 2 million people now around the world. Wow to share their faith in natural ways. Mm -hmm. But it was just based on examples in the New Testament and seeing that they didn't all do the same stuff. And they didn't, I love this, they didn't lay guilt trips on each other. Right. Because in some church circles, it's like, if you really love Jesus, you do what I do. Yeah. And that might be knock on doors. It might be be an apologist. And guess what? Not everyone's good at that. Do you, do you so, think that some of that is because of the kind of cult of personality, too? Like you, you had a pastor who, instead of taking that approach where he was saying, hey, uh, you've seen me, you know, and so I've given you, I've laid the template for you. He actually took the time to show the variety of ways in the book of Acts that people share the gospel. Uh, honestly, I think a lot of pastors just never have thought about it. And, they, you know, I think it's kind of natural. You find something that works for you, and it works for me. It ought to work for you. Yeah. And the problem is, you know, it's just like spiritual gifts. So, you know, I may be good at talking to a group of college students about their hardest questions, but you put some Christians in that circle, and they'd rather die. I mean, it's yeah. just this is awful for them. I, for you and me, that's just our what we do, and yeah. it's like normal. But what's normal for me is not normal for other people, and vice versa. And so that's where it began to open up for me, and and I began to get hope, especially as uh, I began to unpack these biblical approaches. And to see the one that fit me. And it was not the one where you walk up to strangers or try to be very direct. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I used to be critical. I think some of us who are listening to this uh, kind of have a view 
of different apologetics approaches. We know the apologists that are out there. We have some of them on YouTube doing street evangelism. We get that. We watch that. And so for a lot of us, uh, we can be uh, critical of somebody who doesn't ha have our shape rather than seeing it as uh, a tapestry of all kinds of colors on the palette, then different ways of approaching the same. And we, we're painting this thing with all these different colors. So so what I want to do, uh, I, we were, I, we're, we're a little bit early for our first break, but I'm going to take it anyway with Kyle and Amy. I'm going to take that first break right now because when I come back, I want to start afresh and talk about just a couple of these personality types. I'll let you pick them. Uh, but the reason why I wanted to just do a couple is number one, there's no way we can get through the richness of this book in an interview like this, and nor do I want to. I just want to give people a sense of what's in it. We can talk about those types, but I want you to kind of dive into a couple of them because it's not just that sure. that type of who you are uh, opens the door for you, that it actually does shape the way, and you've got, it's great about the book is you've got tips. Like if you're this type and this is who you are, here are some things to be either cautious about or some things to leverage in order to do a better job. So that's what's so great about We'll take a break. We'll come right back here at Stand to Reason. Friends, if you like this broadcast, I know you'll love Hashtag STRask. It's our shorter 20-minute podcast where I am paired with the wonderful Amy Hall, and together we answer the questions you send us on Twitter. Hashtag STRask is released twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, and it's only about 20 minutes long, so it's perfect to listen to on your morning jog or while driving around running errands or cleaning your garage or just plain loafing at home. Amy and I tackle your questions on theology and ethics and culture and lots more, offering our insight on the questions you're asking or the challenges you face. You can listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your own shows. Just remember, send us your questions on Twitter using the name of the podcast, hashtag STRask. That's hashtag STRask. As a high school teacher, I always had a red pen close at hand. When I wasn't in front of my students teaching a lesson, you could find me assessing assignments, grading essays, and evaluating exams. The red pen played a crucial role in the educational development of my students. With it, I questioned their assumptions, exposed their errors, and challenged them to think critically. You see, a good teacher doesn't merely tell his students that they're wrong. A good teacher shows his students why they're wrong so they don't make the same mistakes twice. He corrects because he cares. Last year, I was scrolling through social media, and frankly, I was discouraged at all the bad thinking that undergirded much of what I was reading. Then it hit me. What if someone applied the red pen to this flawed thinking? And Red Pen Logic with Mr. B was born. In the last few months, Red Pen Logic has grown in popularity. Through our engaging and shareable educational graphics and videos, we are helping people, especially young people, assess bad thinking by using good thinking, and we have a lot of fun in the process. So here's your homework assignment. Like the Red Pen Logic Facebook page so you don't miss our next graphic, and subscribe at the Red Pen Logic YouTube channel so you don't miss a single video. Class dismissed.
Jay Warner Wallace back here on Standard Reason, trying to look at the world right side up with you. Uh, and uh, it'll be fun to continue our conversation about evangelism because, let's face it, a lot of what we think about in terms of our duty as Christians is either falls into one of these two categories. I always talk about that we feel the duty to defend, to give the reason for the hope we have, which is, a, is called for in First Peter 3, or we, we sense this overarching duty to share what's true. Look, if this is the cure for what's killing us, what, who doesn't share a cure? If you don't share a cure, you're typically seen as being evil. Now, before we jump back into our conversation, let me remind you of a couple of important things here at STR. Number one, we have two new courses at uh, Stand to Reason University, um, courses that cover the resurrection and that cover biblical hermeneutics. So they're taught by Tim Barnett and by Alan Schleeman. You can sign up today at uh, at um, training.str.org, Training str.org. So be sure to get over there and sign up for those two new courses. Now, speaking of courses, I know I've, I've actually seen you talk about this, uh, Mark, at conferences. We've done conferences together. I remember the last time I saw you, this is how long you've been teaching this. We were at a, a Truth for a New Generation conference in South Carolina, maybe. I forget where we were, in, in South Carolina or Georgia. And I remember watching this, this presentation you had and thinking, oh, this is so uh, easy for me to catch, to retain by the way you set up the types. So let's just talk about, first of all, what are the different personality types or shapes that we are given by God that, that kind of help organ, uh, us think about how we might be able to share what's true in terms of evangelism? Sure. Um, and I, I just call them faith-sharing styles or contagious faith styles. Um, the first one's really the broadest, and I think most of our listeners, or a lot of our listeners will relate to it, and it's the one Heidi models in, in the story, and not just in London, but ever since then and ever in before that, uh, and that's the friendship building style. And uh, it, it sounds obvious, you know, you want to get up close to someone, you want to build trust and respect. But some people don't do that so much. Some of us are, are some of the other ones we'll get to. Uh, the friendship builder is the type of person that likes to hang out, likes to have coffee together, sit in a cafe, you know, get closer, uh, build trust, build respect. They're very people oriented, whereas like you and I, Jim, are more uh, issue oriented and answer oriented and so forth. Um, and we, the biblical example of this one is Matthew, uh, the tax collector who became a follower of Jesus in the Gospels. Um, and you see, especially there's one verse in Luke 5.29 where it describes what Matthew did to reach out to the guys he had been working with. And it says he decided to throw a banquet or a party in his house and invite all the tax collecting guys as well as all of his new friends, the disciples and Jesus. And he mixed it up relationally so that they could all hang out, be together. And in that context, you know, undoubtedly those conversations went deep spiritually as well. And it was cool because Jesus showed up, Jesus defended Matthew's party and uh, God really used it. Um, so that's Matthew, that's Heidi. And by the way, Jesus used this. In fact, he was described by his enemies as a friend of sinners, which originally was a an insult. Uh, but yet Jesus wore it as a badge of honor because that's who he was. He said he came to seek and to save that which was lost mm -hmm. and, you know, came to give his life as a ransom for us. So that was his mission to come and make friends and then build bridges back to the Father through not only his, you know, relationships, but through his work on the cross and so forth. 
Yep. Now, so that that's the first one. Now, so and you, what's good about you mentioned this about the idea of giving some types, right? I, I'm, and, it's, and even if you didn't have biblical types, if you didn't have Matthew as an example, every one of us kind of sees these types, these five types in our own friend group. You probably know your spouse is one. You probably could figure out which one of your spouse is. I mean, this is how obvious yeah. these contagious types are. But go ahead, continue the second one. But just to to illustrate, I mean, we're gonna when we get to the fifth one, that's the more hard hitting oh, direct. I, I, and so I, I can't on. wait to get there because you're right. It, you know, me as the as an issue guy, and and, and this is very true. Um, you'll see it, it kind of the spectrum. I don't know if you did this intentionally or not. It almost the spectrum of your your contagion types is that you go from more relational to more issue kind of oriented at the end. And so you more can, hard yes, and you see yourself somewhere on that spectrum. Uh, go back. Go but ahead. I, I mentioned that right now just to say, you know, the the people in this first one, it's easy for them to feel bad because I, you know, I'm not as bold. I'm not a Greg Laurie. I don't know how to stand up and say, "Thus saith the Lord." Here's yeah. the gospel. You know, now is the acceptable time, and all. All I know how to do is hang out and have friendships. Well, guess what? People don't come to Harvest Crusades. Or people don't go to you know Franklin Graham Crusades or or to uh, the Palau City Fests or whatever unless someone's building friendships. And I, I say this coming off of just doing a training for the Palau team last week, where we trained hundreds of people in Connecticut to say, you know, guess what? This big event that's coming in the late summer is going to fail unless you build friendships yeah. and talk to people and share the good news with them the best you know how, and then bring them with you. So we need all of these, and they're equally important, and we all rely on each other. And again, we make a team just as Heidi and I made a team that summer. That's right. Yeah, that's a very good point, because I think that this is, and we talked about it for years, that most people either attend a church, come to a church, or are invited to the gospel, or invited to an event where the gospel is proclaimed. They're invited by a friend. It's it's usually friendship. You know, I don't want to overestimate friendship evangelism because I always feel like then you're taking people. So that's what's great about this spectrum is it kind of shows. And I'll ask you more at the end of this, but I wanted to kind of at least cover the spectrum for people first. That's the first one. What is the second contagious type? Uh, The second one I call selfless serving. And this is someone who often sees needs the rest of us don't see. They they find joy in meeting those needs, whether it's mowing the labor neighbor's lawn or helping them watch their, you know, maybe a single mom help her watch the kids once in a while, give her a break, uh, fixing their plumbing, or maybe it's more of a ministry where you go and help build homes for needy people or feed homeless, uh, homeless people or, or whatever. But this one can reach the hardest to reach people. And that's what I get excited about because often people that are in need are also hurt and sometimes kind of jaded. They want to keep God at arm's length. And, uh, but these folks kind of tear down that wall between people and God, people in the church. Uh, the biblical example you hear is a woman named Tabitha, uh, in Acts nine. She made clothing for needy people and God used that to build bridges to him. She was kind of like a first century mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I love this one, uh, but you mentioned earlier I have some cautions on these various yes, ones. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. Just I was you're thinking you're reading my mind because I, I feel the same. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you included. That's why I'm glad you included those cautions and those encouragements, right? So yeah. what's the cautious? You, 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 I'm not. I already know what you're going to well, say. And but. let me go back to the first one. The cautious uh, caution for the first one is friendship building. Is don't just build friendships. Get to the point of the gospel. We're, we're trying to be witnesses for Christ, not just 
you know, nice people for him or friends right. for him. Right. Uh, on the second one, selfless serving is do not serve silently. That's right. And see, that's the temptation. A lot of times these folks are more, you know, work with their hands. They build things. They serve people, but they're often less vocal. And so my encouragement is even if you don't, you know, you're not a teacher or preacher or whatever, in your own humble way, in your own quiet way, let people know what motivates you, that the love of Christ has impacted your life. And that's what motivates you to help and to serve other people. And, uh, you know, so, so put it out there. And you could do it in writing. Write them a note. Give them a card. Give them a little book that explains the gospel. Invite them to a radio show. Mm-hmm. But do something that lets them know there's a spiritual side to who you are and what you're so about. Let, so let me throw you something that this is what I, that when I read these first two styles, I thought, okay, so uh, we used to serve a lot in the inner city with uh, our youth group. We would take them down to Skid Row. We had a church there we were working with that we would invite people to church. And this church was very focused on the gospel and on reha- rehabilitation, drug rehab, basically. Sure. And a lot of the people we were dealing with were addicted. And and I would see when we were on the streets inviting people to church, um, I would see that there were many ministries who were utterly service generated ministries. They would come and they would provide clothing, food, uh, services. And I would watch them as we were on the street inviting people to the church. I would watch them uh, fail to really take the next step. Like service, it was that that was their gifting, and yeah. that was their style. But they never, like you said, they were silent for the most part about. And that's why this caution is so important. Every one of the styles you mentioned, you've got a caution. And if you, I think if you yeah. read the book, you're going to find that, like me, you sometimes need to hear the caution because we are. Yeah. What is it about our hesitancy to turn the corner? And talk about Jesus in the context of our gifting of, of who we are. It, it still is a challenge, I think, to turn the corner and talk about Jesus. It is. And yet, if we don't, then we're just serving people in tangible ways that maybe make their life a little better right now, but we're not helping them for eternity. I mean, we're not ultimately fulfilling what Jesus said to do, to go into all the world and not just to serve them, not just to do good things, but to make disciples, to point them to the Savior, let them know how they can not only, you know, have a relationship with him today, but be assured of eternity with him in heaven, you know, forever. Yeah. And so we, we got to overcome the, the fear. And if I could step more to a, a leadership level, as churches, we have to train the people because a lot of churches have these outreach teams that go out and serve. They clean up the city, they build, they do things, but we don't train them how to share their faith. So yeah. they go out and do what we trained them to do. And so, uh, you know, we, I hope we can talk about this some at the end, but I think every church should make it the goal to train every member in every church to share their faith in natural ways so that, you know, they're kind of ready and they, they, they know how to illustrate the gospel. They know how to simply talk about their own experience with Christ and so forth. So while you're building the house for, you know, some ministry that does that in a needy part of the city or Mexico or wherever yeah. you go, when you sit down to get a drink of water, take a break, and the person next to you says, thank you so much for helping us, and you say, well, can I share what motivates me and why I'm so excited to do this? One, I want you to have a home like this, but two, 
let's talk about eternal homes. You know, let's talk about how we can know the God who made us. Well, that is that easy to, to do, but we, we need training so we feel ready to do so. Yeah, it's good. Very good point. Uh, and I don't want to mine out all the details. There's no way to do it. So for example, if you found you, as you're listening to us, you think, Oh yeah, I, I feel like I'm that person. Well, everything you need to know about how to leverage the person you are to really go completely to the gospel uh, is in each chapter. So I don't, I just want to kind of skim along the top of these though, uh, given the third contagious type. I, I wish I was a better skimmer, but I'll do my best. No, 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 no. Skim. This is good. This is really good. Oh. I just think that 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 I just don't want people to think that all you need to know is what your type is. The question then becomes: Okay, okay I'm that type. Now, what do I do with it? How do I take that? And what are the what are the issues I need to look for? What are the um, what? How can I, what's the benefit of this type? What, what what am I not doing right? What am I doing right? I mean, those are things that each chapter is really good at kind of mining through all that. Now we're not talking about any of that so far, which is great. That's why sure. I want people to go a little deeper. But, but give me the third contagious type. Yeah, the third type is what we call story sharing. Mm-hmm. And this is where you, and I'm all for stories in general, but I'm talking about especially your story of how you met Christ, how he makes a difference in your life, how how you came to know him. And some people are just good at this. They're, they speak out of their experience. And I, I'm, if I had to guess you, Jim, I, I, I'm guessing you're a combination of that because of your background and you have a very interesting story of, as a detective mixed with what we'll get to next with giving reasons and, and so forth. Well, I'll uh, tell you, certainly this, that's, I, I can tell you, this is, this is now, I, I've done this talk for a couple of people, but not, not many. Um, I am actually, I never felt like my story mattered. And and I will say out this is how bad I am. Okay, so I fall at the end of that spectrum of what you're talking oh, about. This spectrum. So people, but, but here's my. Now I'm going to throw this out to you. Um, I have said this all the time that that <laughs> you're going to be so mad at me for saying this because this is one of the contagious types you have in your book. Okay, but I would always sure. say, hey, you know what? Uh, people will say, well, get, show me your, share your testimony with us. I'll make the case on the stage for an hour. The first Q&A, first question is, can you share your testimony with us? And I'll typically say, you know, to be honest with you, my testimony doesn't matter. Neither does yours. What matters is, is this true? <laughs> now, well, listen, that's how, how extreme I am on the end. But this is what yeah. I've learned from your book is that that. And I, I've never really been an either or. I'm always a both and. I, I want you to share your story, but also why is it true? And, and I'll tell you why I'm this way, Mark. Uh, my family were all raised. Uh, my dad's not a believer, but his second wife was a Mormon. And and they had six kids together. They were all raised LDS. And if you ask them, they were quick to share their personal They all testimony. have stories. They yes. all have stories. Yep. And so I just never trusted that the story would get me to the truth. And so I, and not only that, if you're a cop, everyone's telling you a story. <laughs> I don't trust any of them. Okay. Well, well if I can coach you here yes, on air, please do, Jim. I think you let the spe- the pendulum swing too far yeah, away you're right. from it. And I understand, and I some Christians all they do is share a story, they talk about it, and then that's it. And you can't do that in isolation. You got to get to the gospel. You got to talk about the truth of Christ, who He is, what He came to do, how He died on the cross. So we we need more than our story. Yeah, that's right. But our story is a great entree into it. And our, our buddy Lee Strobel yeah. is my main example of this, um, and he mixes his story sharing with the reason giving, which we'll get to uh, on the next one. But uh, 
you know what? People are fascinated by stories of yes. guys like Lee Strobel, That's an right. atheist, former atheist like uh, Jay Warner Wallace, who was a cold case detective. I mean, your story's fascinating. And what's funny is when Lee Strobel goes out and speaks, the number one people, thing people want him to talk about is, is his story. Yeah. So he does it, and then he mixes the evidence in, and then he gets to the gospel. And this is what I, so, I do, too. I'll typically say all that, and then I'll tell us about my journey through the evidence, and they'll say, well, you just shared your testimony. Well, of course I am. Yeah, after so, you dissed after it at the exactly, beginning. <laughs> exactly. After, after I eviscerated the idea, then I'm suddenly just doing the same thing I told I, I wouldn't, wasn't going to do. But that's a, I think that, let me say this to you, this, this third type, this third um, um, contagious type, I, I, I get a sense that, that this is something the church, I mean, it, would you say that most evangelism courses at the church are focused on this third type? This type of, of where we're, you know, I hear all the time, you're going to share your story, then you're going to share his story, right? This idea that your story comes first, and then we talk about the gospel. Uh, that, that, there's a sense in which I think that's probably like most of evangelism training in the church at large. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. And in fact, I was part of a church for a long time. They, they kept saying, well, it really comes down, you just share your story. And I would react like you do, because that's going too far the other way. Right. And so I would say, yeah, do tell your story. But when you get to the point of where I prayed and I received Christ, then stop and say, let me explain what that means. And then you get to the story of Christ and mm -hmm. the gospel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Romans one fourteen says the gospel is the power of God and right. salvation. So I view the you know our testimonies, our story as a vehicle to ultimately deliver the most important part, and that's the gospel the story of Christ. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think I felt convicted in the last several years as an apologist, as a case maker, that I have, I have built a runway that I'd never landed a plane on. And I just felt like that has to stop. Um, maybe it's at 61. I have a different approach than I had at 51. I don't know, but I do have a sense now that uh, this is a more robust uh, endeavor than I ever thought it was before. Uh, it's not enough for me just to make a case for this. I have to be able to proclaim the gospel. And, and and we don't typically, sometimes like if I ask you, for example, uh, how to teach, you're teaching pastors, let's say, like you were to teach, teaching evangelism. Well, you're probably not going to proclaim the gospel in that setting because you're assuming something about the, the audience. You're I've just gotten to the point now where I no longer assume anything about an audience. And I've learned not to, even when I'm teaching, evan I, I've actually taught contagious faith courses where I say, now we're going to pair up and tell our stories. And I remember one time a woman, I'm kind of making sure everyone has someone to practice with, and she gets right in front of me. She goes, I can't do this. I don't have a story. And I said, oh, you haven't come to Christ yet. She said, no. I said, would you like a story? You could do this right now. It'd be and a great story. I grabbed some people from the class. They went out and prayed with her letter to Christ. So, yeah, we shouldn't That's assume awesome. it, but it, it's easy to assume. So, well, And I want to talk about, before I go to the fifth uh, type, it, it, this is one of the things you have in the book. It's a chapter. Um, this is why you have my glasses back on, so I can see everything that's smaller than my, my thumb here. But um, I get it. Believe yeah. Me. Okay. So understanding and applying the gospel is something that is, of course, look, this is an evangelism book. But what's great about it is, is it gives you all of the, the precursor steps that you need that you will recognize in your own story that I shouldn't say story, but in your own personality type and your own gifting um, that right. you would then, then, but even then though, we've got to understand the gospel and learn how to apply the gut. So this is why this, it does the book doesn't stop here is what I'm trying to say. Right. This, yeah. I give the five styles, but I also give key skills that everyone right. needs to learn. And then I have a whole chapter on the gospel because that's 
where the power is, that's where the life changes. Yeah, that, that, and so I think that that's something that most of us, if you're buying a book, though, on on what's the great value here is that not only will you talk about the gospel, is that it prepares you to contextualize it in your own style and who kind of the contagious style you have. Exactly. We're going to run out of time, so I want to go to the last two forms. So that's really, if you think about Stand to Reason in this radio show, you're probably thinking about these two forms, these two styles of contagious faith. So these talk about these last two, two yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The f- the f- fourth one is the reason giving style. And that sounds a lot like Jay Warner Wallace, Lee Strobel, Mark Middleberg, Greg Kokel. I mean, that is our main approach. And it's seen in scripture. I mean, it's biblical. Jesus often gave reasons. He said, if you don't believe my words, then look at my works, look at my miracles. He would give evidence. Um, Paul is our main example in, in the Contagious Faith book, where in you know Acts 17, he stood up in front of all these philosophers in Athens, Greece, and he logically lays out the gospel. And I'm sure he answered a lot of questions. He talked with them a lot more than what we have recorded there. Uh, But some of those philosophers turned and trusted in Christ through Paul's reason-giving style. And I want to add a quick thing here, Jim, and that is that uh, you know, we're all called, as you, you quoted the verse, First Peter 3.15, mm-hmm. we're all called to be ready to give a reason, just as I think we all have a story to share and should be friends with people and so on. So I think we all have elements of all of these, but I think we have our main, you know, like this is our main, most natural style, or some people have two or three. For me, this is clearly me. I just... I am like a moth to the flame when I'm, you know, there's a Muslim or a Mormon or an atheist or, you know, someone with questions, someone with doubts, they they start talking about, what about all the lost books of the Bible? Okay, let's talk. We need to talk. Yeah, right. You know, so, um, so, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners to this program are this style. And so I just want to say, this is important. I mean, we live in a culture that is running from truth. In fact, they don't even know what truth is anymore. And a lot of them don't like the idea of it. Yeah. And so we need to define truth, defend truth, present truth. And uh, it's super important in our culture today. But it's not the whole thing. And as you've hinted several times, we need to use this. But I view apologetics as the handmaiden to evangelism. That's right. And I think the ultimate goal that we're left here for isn't just to defend the faith, isn't just to talk about reasons. It's to use that to clear the pathway so that we can get to the point of the gospel. But ultimately, it's the cross of Christ is our message that we need to get to. So I like what Josh McDowell said years ago, use enough apologetics to answer the question, but then get back to the power, get back to the gospel message of Jesus. So is that the caution then in this group? It's, it's yeah. the, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, it's one of them. Another, and there's actually several cautions on each of these in the book. Another one is don't be a jerk. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> what if you're just a jerk by nature though, what that stuff? That's my, that's my contagious style. Is, that's, that's I noticed you didn't mention jerk in your list of five. <laughs> and that is my that's style. That's what the Holy Spirit's there for. Yeah. But, I mean, go back to that key verse, First Peter 3.15. A lot yeah. of us do the first half of Not it the really second well. Half, yeah. We give answers. Second half says do it with gentleness and respect. And I got to say, especially on social media, oh, you know, God. where people aren't looking eyeball to eyeball, uh, it's easy for both sides to become jerks. And all of a sudden, we're just flamethrowing, and we are not building bridges back to the gospel or toward life change. Uh, but when we change the tone, we go, look, let's, let's, let's 
lower the temperature here. I bet we have a lot in common. We both love our lives, our, our, our wives, our families. Our, you know, we both want peace in the world. We both believe in love. We have more in common than we have different. Let, let's settle down, but, but let's mm-hmm. talk about this in a gentle way right. and think about it. Let's really listen to each other. Well, when you start doing that and, and respectfully dealing with people, uh, a lot of times their you know, weapons will lower uh, to use a cop illustration here, everyone lowers their weapons. Everyone starts listening to each other a little more. And I think that's part of that's why that's in the verse, you know, be gentle, be respectful, uh, treat people in a way that earns respect. Then the answers can start making sense because otherwise they're going, you may be right, but you're a jerk and I don't want to be like you. Yeah. We're, we're so polarized as it is now. We, we can't do yeah. anything to add to the polarization. Absolutely. Let's do the last style now. That This style, I think, is becoming uh, uh, more pointed and more – I think it's more applicable and, and actually more timely given our social media uh, universe in which we're living Go ahead and talk about the last style, contagious style. Yeah, I call it the truth telling. And, you know, again, we should all tell the truth. But what I mean by the truth telling style, this is the person that's more direct. They get to the point and they are not afraid to challenge you. They're not afraid to look at you and say, you know, I, I know you mean well, but you've been sitting on this fence for 20 years, you're, you're playing games with God. You're playing games about going to church. Your kids see through it. Your wife sees through. I mean, they get to the point. They say, you know, doesn't your rear end hurt sitting on a fence that long? Get off the fence. Right, right. You know, it's time to, to make a decision and, and do what you know is true. And uh, now this can take different personalities and sometimes it works on a big stage. I think Greg Laurie is just a master at bringing people along and saying, you know, what's, why wouldn't you want to receive Christ today? What, what's holding you back? And God uses him in that way. I know other people that are good one-on-one, you know, helping people. And by the way, it was one of them, a a friend named Terry that I'd gone to high school with who reached me when I was 19. And he, he, challenged my, you know, I was a backslidden Baptist in a, I still went to church. I still believed everything I was supposed to believe. I was not walking with Christ. Mm-hmm. I was into partying having fun, doing my own thing. And he, he just said, I don't get you. He said, you claim to be a Christian, yet I know this, 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 this about you. And I said, well, and I didn't know what to say. I said, I'm a cool Christian. <laughs> You know, that should be the I, next book. More, the next book should yeah, be the cool, cool Christian. Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Probably sell, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I just said, I'm a cool Christian. You know, we don't get all hung up on the rules. Yeah, we yeah, have more exactly. fun. And, yeah. We look like, and we look like everybody looked, else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he looked me right in the eyes and he said, Mark, there's a word for cool Christians and it's hypocrite. I'm like, ouch. Yeah. And it, it hurt, and I, I got mad at him, and you know he left, and I was mad, but it made me think. And over the next few hours and the next couple of days, that anger turned to reflection, and then that reflection turned to repentance. And it was literally less than a week after Ter- Terry called me a hypocrite to my face, where I realized he was right, and I turned to Christ. And at age yeah. 19, gave my life to Christ. So I praise God. By the way, I tried to do the truth-telling style in London, and this is why it, I had a bad experience at first, because it was not me. So mm-hmm. uh, I celebrate this. By the way, anyone who thinks I was down on 
direct forms like what I said about England. No, I celebrate. I yeah, I think right. people who have, do this, you know, they're courageous. Yeah. And I love it. It's just not me. And the key to this for all of us is to figure out who I am and what God made me to do so that I can naturally communicate my faith, faith in ways that fit who God made me. And you know what? This is one of the powerful things about the book is that I think we have a tendency. I know I do it for a lot of years uh, to say, well, look, uh, you're not getting it because you're not doing it the way I do it. Or, or yeah. I don't have the respect I ought to have because I feel like I see the shortcomings. Well, look, everything everything you do, every case you make in front of a jury has strengths and weaknesses. It's just the nature of, of life. It's the nature of case making. It's the nature of styles. So there are going to be strengths and weaknesses in each one of these forms because we're humans and we have strengths and weaknesses. But my, I think the, the the natural default position for a lot of us is to say, well, if you're not doing it my way, I would never do it that way. That's not way. Yeah. Just because you happen to be shaped a certain way, we have a tendency to think that this is the right way to do. It. Well, in fact, it's yeah. a it's a much broader team with all kinds of different skill sets. If you look, if you're married, you already know. I, I've just been many times when I've been with Susie and we, we've had a conversation with somebody, and she'll say to me, "Okay, he didn't even ask that question. You weren't listening to what he was saying. <laughs> you you had an answer, but but it wasn't what he was really asking." And I thought, "Yep, how did I miss that?" And she's right. And that's because she has a different, different contagious style than I have. And, and, but I've got to ask you, and we're not, we're going to skip the last break because I want to go all the way to the end with this. Um, I want to ask you, what is it you think? Now you got a lot of, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of ways you could have titled this or thought about this in the construct. You got these five types, but you used the word contagious. So what is it that makes a, a style or, um, kind of a shape? Why is this more? Why, why would we even use the word contagious? What makes this contagious? Well, first of all, it was a little controversial naming it that in the middle of a pandemic. You know, yeah. the book just came out last yeah, fall. Yeah, but you had the term long before the I pandemic. Did. And, okay. Yeah, so we were building on a legacy yeah. of a couple million people trained. That was part of it. But part of it is, I, I said, you know, the pandemic reminds us that contagious things spread quickly. Yeah. And we've certainly seen that. But then I also remind us that there are bad contagious things and there are good contagious things like contagious laughter and contagious enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the most important thing is contagious faith. The most important good contagious thing is contagious faith. So that's that's why the name. But again, I'm not just talking about personality types. I'm talking about yeah. approaches we can use to get to the point to talk about Jesus, to talk about what has changed our lives for eternity and what can change their lives for eternity. So to be truly contagious, we got to get to Jesus. We got to get to the the point where we give the person the chance to respond to Christ. Okay. I got to ask you some, some, I want to turn a corner a minute here, but I, I got, we got time. I want to ask you a question that I, it, it bugs me. Um, so if I had a book that could help you um, be leaner and have a better diet and by identifying five uh, styles of how you like to eat, Something tells you that. Buy that book. Yeah, well, that, something tells me that book would sell more than any of our apologetics or evangelism books. I, I guess my question yep. is, we can you can talk about these differences, but but why is it that so many Christians don't even want to examine what their what their style is, what their shape is, what their approach is? They they don't even. I mean, how do we how do we have this many Christians continue to be so un? And not just unprepared to share what they what they know is true, but even uninterested in becoming prepared. 
Yeah, I think the, it's a big, hard, and important question. I, you know, I think part of it is we have a natural fear. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to lose friendships. We don't want to turn off family members and so on. Um, but I also think we've lost touch with the realities, the biblical realities that, you know, life is short and heaven and hell are real and eternity is eternal and that nothing matters more than this. I mean, for those that are parents, you know, raising your kids and teaching them the gospel and keeping them in the faith, there's nothing more important than that. And, uh, you know, for those that lead or teach in a church or, you know, we're working with young people, what could be more important than this? So part of it is getting back to the realities of what the Bible teaches and taking them seriously. Part of it is exuding that top, you know, attribute of God and of what's supposed to be of the Christian life, and that is love. That if you really love someone, you you will care more about their eternity and and their well being than about keeping the friendship pond smooth and no ripples in it. You know, yeah. So I think love, biblical truth, and then some of it's just courage. I mean, Satan, you know, in in effect, likes to sit on our you know, shoulder and whisper in our ear, like, yes, do you know what these guys is, are talking about is really important and you ought to do it someday, but not now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but we're right this now. This is not a good time. And we're in the middle of the yeah. NBA finals. So, you know, there's, there's other distractions. Yeah. Let's just spend time on yeah. that. But that's, exactly. this is what I think for me drives me. It's as a truth teller. That's I'm, I'm in that spectrum at the very end there of those five. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing that I feel like I want to shake people. Right. But yeah. let's just turn a corner now uh, before I do that. So, Mark, if people want to find out more about this book and your work in writing this kind of material about evangelism, where do they go? Well, the main place I'd want to point people is we have a a website that is built off the title of the book. It's ContagiousFaithBook.com. Long URL, but it'll get you there. ContagiousFaithBook.com. And it'll not only show you the book that we've been talking about, but we also have a six-week training course. And I think this is where it really gets fun is read the book, get encouragement, read the stories, but then get your small group together, get your class at church together, or any group together. And this is a six-week video course. When you get the book, there's a code in the middle, which opens up the streaming videos. And I teach on those. I actually interview people who represent these different styles, including Lee Strobel, for instance, on the story sharing. He's in the videos. And Elisa Childers, our friend who uh, I have her represent. Yeah, I, I know the, who they are because you didn't invite me at all. I already, I already know who the cast is, okay, you jerk. I'm saving you didn't you invite for me. My, I'm saving you for my case-making course. <laughs> it's later. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so I would urge people to read the book but do this. And both yeah. of those are, uh, if they go to the ContagiousFaithBook.com site, you can get these in bulk and discount. There's also, I mentioned it earlier, there's a questionnaire there to help you quickly yes, that's what you know, summarize about. what is your main style. Yeah. Um, so I would uh, point yeah, that, people Yeah, that's a good there. point. That's a really good point because I think sometimes we, we kind of assume certain things and then we're surprised when we actually – drill down into the types that you may and not it might be. open up new avenues that you hadn't thought exactly of. could i also mention the, the training i have available with yep. lee uh, um, lee strobel and i uh, have been ministry partners for 35 years uh if you can imagine we started when we were four um yeah that, exactly. that's a joke um 
But we've been doing this stuff for a long time, but we had the opportunity a couple of years ago to launch an online accredited training school in partnership with Colorado Christian University. And it's just called the Strobel Center. The URL is strobelcenter.com and spelled the the, uh, American way center, Um, strobelcenter.com. And we offer a undergraduate degree and a master's degree, as well as certificate courses in four different areas, uh, Practical apologetics, innovative evangelism, world or global apologetics, and then uh, cultural engagement. And it's excellent training. We got 40 PhDs together to help shape these courses and teach them. And uh, we're so excited to have a bunch of students, including your son, Jimmy, uh, who's just a great, great guy. And uh, I think a lot of our listeners, you're you're the types that want to go deeper with this stuff. I would urge you to go on the website, check it out. There's some videos there Mm -hmm. where we talk about it. And maybe you want to join us to get a degree or get some uh, training. I I cannot recommend this program uh, more highly so so and not because just because jimmy went but the reason why i suggested this program to him because i was tracking your work and i knew that uh, he was going to have a schedule that was good and he had started to, to already contribute to our website at coldcasechristianity.com and i thought as he was contributing awesome. to it i was like you know i want him to take another step because sometimes you can say things a certain way that just basically dig a hole for you five feet further down the road and you just now you're falling into the hole that you dug because you need a certain amount of precision in how you think about these ideas and if you're listening to this, you, and you're already listening to Stand to Reason. You're one of those people who wants more precision in your thinking. Well, it turns out this is how to get it in a way that's very robust. It's rigorous. And and I can tell you that you know this from talking to your students that some have been like, oh, this is a little bit harder than I thought. You're like, this is not going to be yeah. – this is a, a master's program. It's master's level work taught by PhDs. Yeah, some so, people hear online so they think it's ah, it's yeah, not really it's real be easy. work. Well, no, but it's no, worth right. it. It's, it's, it's doable, although it's challenging. Right. It's doable, although it's challenging. And so what it did for Jimmy is it raised the bar for 18 months, two years. It, it raised the bar in his own thinking. And it, and it actually made him more precise in the way he's thinking about some of these topics. So please make sure awesome. you check out that program. And I want to just thank you, Mark, for taking the time to, to come on. I, we've been friends for a while. And I, I just just have always admired your strength of conviction and your single mindedness when it comes to teaching people how to share the gospel. Everyone. Make sure you get a copy of Contagious Faith. You will not regret reading that book. If it's the one book you read on evangelism, it'll be well worth your time. Thank you, Mark Middleberg. Thank you, Jim, and thanks for all you do on this program. It's awesome. I'm glad to be with all of you. Thanks for joining us here this week on Stand to Reason. Make sure you rejoin us every week to learn how to think clearly about the world around us. Have a great week.